Welcome to the podcast of tomorrow. I am Lindsay Wilson. We are talking today about season one, episode five of Futurama, Fear of a Bot Planet. But before all that, I'd like to introduce my co-host, Alex Koontz. Alex, how's it going? Hello, Lindsay. It's good. We still haven't gotten our 50 reviews, I assume. I haven't even checked. <laughs> I don't know if we have any reviews. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we have one star rating. but mm -hmm. I, It might be us. <laughs> yeah, it may or may not be us. But what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm good. I'm back home in Denver right now. I'm here with my sister with a young baby. My parents are here. It's very chaotic. And I was laughing because right now I'm in a bedroom, like directly next to the bedroom that my sister and the baby have, have taken over. And my sister's in there right now, like actively napping. So <laughs> this podcast brought to you by like waking up a young mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and honestly, the baby is like our, I don't know, I don't want to say prodigal son, but like oh the mascot, God, yes. I guess, of the podcast, <laughs> as he was born like on air. <laughs> yes, born during a re recording of Simpsons Then and Now of uh, some Gil yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, so the, the son returns. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that, that's the yeah. through line that we're tracking. Uh, maybe we're also tracking like various Jeremy exploits, but th those are like uh, <laughs> long running plot points. One day you can play in the episode where he was born and then later you can play <laughs> in the episode where you woke him up from a nap when he was like a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, and, he, and he'll be like, Alex, like Uncle Alex, please stop. I have no interest in this. <laughs> You're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> yeah, okay, millennial. <laughs> yeah, oh no. <laughs> Have you had any uh, storylines over the past two years? I suppose you've moved. Yeah, I moved a bunch. We always talk about my like one room schoolhouse upbringing. <laughs> right, right. You're escaping your your small town upbringing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, we'll have to get Jeremy back on here at some point. I'm sure he remembers all the embarrassing things that I have said and done. Yeah. Yes, there's some Hazel through lines of Hazel being our mm -hmm. most fervent listener. <laughs> yeah, but only once Jeremy joined the podcast. He didn't listen to us before that. And then yeah. he, she got sufficiently invested that she kept going after Jeremy had to stop. So. That's how we get people in. Yeah, it had nothing to do with me. But yes, anyway, so today we're talking about fear of a bot planet. What was your bot planet memory? I... Uh... Well, first of all, I, I really liked this episode. I thought it was maybe one of the funnier ones that we had. And maybe, I don't even know how to describe it. It felt more self-contained than any others or more like neat than any others. I, I felt like there was just like a strong vision of like, we're doing this planet. There's a bunch of jokes on this planet mm -hmm. and and that's it. So I really liked that. I thought like the the overall theme of robotics rights and stuff was an interesting one for them to tackle so early on the like direct comparisons to slavery and people of color and that kind of stuff I thought was a little bit spicy for Futurama to be doing especially with all the or I mean they I think that that stuff comes through very early on in the baseball opening scenes so I thought all of that mm -hmm. was was interesting what were you what were you thinking Lindsay? yeah i think that's really a good call where i feel like we're starting to hit our stride with some of these episodes and you're right it does feel very self-contained they have a good like off the bat we're gonna hear about like robonica and then that keeps going through the whole thing that's how we wrap it up it doesn't have that i know we we always shorthanded as the bike race it doesn't have the bike race yes. energy all of it feels very tied <laughs> together it feels very neat very clean i will say so just to peek behind the curtain today, we're recording both this episode and the next one. And I would say I prefer this one to the next one that we're going to talk about in terms of how contained it is. So yeah, I think that's a good call and very funny. Lots of good lines in this one. Yeah. In thinking about this episode and the following one, the following one introduces mom, which is a th uh, character that appears throughout the show. So that's one thing that I was thinking about as well of like, 
what are the differences between like a big new character set piece or I guess it returning character will also be the case when mom comes back or when zap comes back but like it seems like there are these differences mm -hmm. between an episode that is like a character episode versus an episode where it's just like the gang hanging out maybe going to a new planet mm -hmm. and it's interesting that like i was thinking about it in comparison to the simpsons and even though springfield is such a big universe and there are episodes about certain characters i don't something about Futurama feels different where it's like, oh, that's a Zap episode or that's a mom episode. Right. And I feel like you don't get that with The Simpsons of like, oh, that's a Skinner episode. Like those certainly exist, right. but it's not like a big event. I think that's a good call too, where this one's very fun. I think partly because it is just the gang hanging out. And I think they do feel like these sort of cozier episodes. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So why don't we get into it? Do you have any other overarching thoughts before we run through it? I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the like allegory to robot enslavement like all, the way that they touched on all of that stuff mm -hmm. yeah i do think it's compelling where i think they do a good job where i was thinking kind of initially when they're saying like how many robot like baseball learns ball team owners are, are there or something right. like, i don't know a thousand like no it's zero and then similarly i feel like you hear that all the time of like how many women make up company CEOs are there and it's like there aren't any yeah <laughs> and similarly when we're gonna get the scene with the little robot that comes out and sweeps up Bender's broken beer bottle he's like is it a human child of course not which very dark but like, right and there's then nothing there for the, sure. thing, the thing that really made me notice it was uh Bender talking about like the robot leagues which I think was like a direct comparison mm -hmm. I, I years and years and years ago I watched all of the Ken Burns baseball documentary which goes into a right. lot about the, the black baseball leagues and you know Jackie Robinson being the first black play, right. baseball player and all the adversity he faced and so that was really the thing that like got me thinking about this episode on that level and then even mm -hmm. I don't there's stuff in this episode that I don't even know how to think about where Bender's like oh no but these are like good humans like like I don't know all of the all of it is interesting where it has this like level of race dynamics in it social um, commentary yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no it's, it's a good point and I think it's interesting to think about maybe something to track as we go through it where you use the word spicy and I think that's interesting because I do <laughs> think that Futurama kind of tackles maybe spicier topics than The Simpsons where I think The Simpsons is maybe considered a little bit more family friendly obviously families were like you can't watch this i do think the simpsons is viewed maybe as a little bit more approachable for younger audiences versus futurama i think is kind of viewed as like adult animation and especially in the era that it's made where again it's 1999 mm -hmm. or 2000 where yeah all of its contemporary animated shows are like family guy and you know south park i guess and i don't know i i mean i guess I would assume Family Guy is a liberal show. I assume Seth, Seth MacFarlane is like very liberal, but something about those shows feels like they are not sincerely addressing these social issues right. from, I guess, a liberal perspective. But but this episode cer certainly felt that way, where it's like they are <laughs> they are like directly talking about how there's like inequality between these two different classes, I guess. Yeah, it makes me think of when we talked about, I'm sure you will have very fleeting memories of this episode, because <laughs> I certainly do. But the episode of The Simpsons that we talked about where Bart is like, oh, they made itchy and scratchy into girls or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then 
they really don't take a stand on the episode until the very end. They spray paint like patriarchy sucks or something right. like that. And it was like, mm. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> a little right. on the nose. <laughs> and I was actually talking to just to like cross promote, I guess we were talking to Grace over on Bojack Horsepod in an episode that's coming up soon. But we had talked a little bit about Futurama. And she was saying how a lot of the Futurama episodes that we're going to get into some of them are going to be super problematic yeah. and something we're going to have to contend with when we get to those. But I think this one is is a good one of sort of like gently introducing that we're going to do social issues here and there. Right. Yeah. And so I, I guess I'm just saying like I'm surprised that they are doing that at all given that, yeah, the family guys of the world probably aren't touching that sort of stuff. And Simpsons never, like you said, never really touched as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah. So the cold open for this one is basically just like, five seconds of them being like wow space isn't it amazing it makes you feel so tiny so insignificant or whatever and then they basically just hit a planet like a bug (laughs) yeah um very yeah very short like kind of traditional sitcom cold opens where it's totally disconnected from everything it it, like Mm -hmm. reminds me of friends almost like in the early days of friends they would do this where they're all like hanging out at the coffee shop talking about something completely different so funny to see that futurama is leaning heavily into that Yes, and I did note, I don't know if you did, if you noted the <laughs> opening sequence stuff that I think I it was Caroline that suggested that we do this. But so uh, the opening tag on this, Futurama featuring gratuitous alien nudity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so is it the uh, the animation at the very end of it is a different show every time? Yes, exactly. And I had never, ever clocked that it changed every time. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I knew it changed, but I didn't know that it was something real every time. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And then, then the spaceship crashes into the screen. And helpfully, because they're <laughs> just to look ahead to the next episode, I had no idea what it was from. But helpfully, Wikipedia does tell you what it is. And, I, and this time I just have written Bugs Bunny. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I have. Bugs Bunny question mark. So maybe that should be the game of us <laughs> trying to guess the... the oh, that's um... fun. And then we could reveal what it actually is. <laughs> what did Wikipedia say for this one? Let's see. Okay, so what was this called? Fear of a Bot Planet. And then we'll see what Wikipedia can tell us. <laughs> the opening cartoon is Porky Pig and Bugs Bunny in okay. a corny concerto. Nice. So uh, they perform a parody of Walt Disney's Silly Symphony cartoon series, and specifically his 1940 feature Fantasia. What a what a time for silly cartoons, the 1940s. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. I was a big Looney Tunes guy. Yeah, I was never that into them. I was more Muppets. Mm, fair. My dad used to record old... Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes stuff so we had tons of VHS tapes of just like ancient cartoons <laughs> yeah I feel like I did that with the Simpsons actually I remember like having a, a cassette tape with the skeleton episode the like angel skeleton mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. good stuff <laughs> yes so the episode opens up on a new New York Yankees Blurns Ball game <laughs> I love the introduction of Blurns Ball here where they're Basically being like, baseball was super boring, so they finally jazzed it up. And then Fry's like, wait, what? It wasn't boring. Oh, hey, they finally jazzed it up. Famously, I am not a baseball guy, so. (laughs) Yeah, very similar joke. I mean, Simpsons does this so often where, like, baseball being completely unwatchable unless you're completely hammered. (laughs) Yeah, I I love the Blurns Ball game itself with, like, everyone is attached to some sort of, like, rubber band that is, like, springing them back and forth across the entire field. Mm -hmm. The springy thing is what Fry calls it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, very good. At one point, Bender catches a player. He's like, I got a souvenir and just like gives it to a child. (laughs) Great moment where Fry goes, 
all right, I think I finally get this. Like the blurns are loaded. The count is three blurns <laughs> and two anti-blurns <laughs> and something in field blurn rule is in effect. <laughs> and what Leela says, like, uh, none of that was real except for the word blurn. <laughs> yeah, that was completely gibberish. Yeah. My favorite part, and I think the part that I think of the most often when I think about this whole sequence is that at one point they're like, multi-ball, multi-ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just goes totally chaotic. It's like a pinball machine. Mm-hmm. Like all these balls come flying out. I love the... um the the animation's really good where when the multi-ball is going off and like a guy's riding the motorcycle and a huge a mm-hmm. guy riding a spider comes out i really love the the moment of animation when there's like a batter and he just like starts frantically swinging and like looks panicked At every ball yeah. yeah i love it so much too and and your point about them going around the bases on the motorcycle and yeah. just go blur <laughs> <laughs> it, it, back, I mean, back to the Ken Burns documentary. Ken Burns documentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Ken Ken Burns documentary. I I feel like there were like crazy stories about you know the first decade of baseball in the 1890s or whatever, where fans would just like run onto the field, and there was one story of like the guy hits like a inside the park home run and like the other team is like trying to get the ball but all the fans have run onto the field to uh they're like trying to like fight their way through the fans so similar chaos to to early baseball i guess incredible yes (laughs) and this is where we get kind of the stuff that we were talking about in our opening when we were saying that bender is saying like oh well you guys are so afraid of a little robot competition robots aren't allowed to play they don't own any of the teams and then there's this argument between bender and leela where leela's like yeah he's like literally a blur and hitting machine and like yeah. he was designed to hit blurns and they're like well bender's very offended by this yeah i like some of the like very old timey blurns ball players that bender mentions he says a uh, wireless joe jackson which reminds me mm-hmm. of um mr burns has a great call out to three finger do you remember yeah. the name it's like three finger no, I, I, I don't either I, it's a real person i know so but yeah three it's... finger three finger brown yeah <laughs> mordecai three finger brown mordecai, yeah. so they did a very good job of having robot equivalents of these old-timey baseball names of wireless joe jackson mm-hmm. played in the national league from 1903 to 1916 wow what a guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so Vendor goes on to say, again, as I mentioned, they've got the robots doing all the crap work and they have a robot child cleaning up the beer bottles. It's like, is it a human child? I wish. Right. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, talking about just like different inequities of, of robots being treated differently. My One of my best friends has, has a wild take that he thinks in like 100 years, the movie Interstellar is going to be unwatchable because they're like super horrible to the robots in that movie have you seen have you seen interstellar (laughs) no i haven't they're like two robots and the humans just treat them like trash and like eject one like literally into a black hole to save themselves which i mean i guess it's like great like sacrifice the robot instead of the human but yeah my friend is very he's like this is gonna be a terrible terrible movie once once robots are more sentient (laughs) right (laughs) it's gonna be like no robots were harmed in the making of this film yeah exactly (laughs) Yeah. So Hermes shows up as a hologram on the professor's new pager, and he says they need to come back and make a delivery, and then a pigeon carries him away. (laughs) Yes, and he's very bloodied for the rest of the episode, so not quite sure what's (laughs) going on with the hologram technology. 
Indeed. Yeah, seems very dangerous. So they're going to be going to, I think it's called Chapek 9, and it is inhabited only by human-hating robot separatists who kill humans on site. And Fender's like, oh, just because they want to kill humans, suddenly they're radical. Yeah, radical because he just wants to kill humans. So Bender's going to have to do the actual delivery, and he's like, no way, it's Robonica, I can't do it. And I do love Hermes being like, no, you just used up all your time off when you had roberculosis. <laughs> That's funny. I, I also liked Hermes saying that he respects Bender's diversity to the extent the law requires, which feels very yes. HR. <laughs> feels very real, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So they get there, and he's very upset about this, that he doesn't want to have to do this work to help people. He's like, I've never helped anyone, and you know it. <laughs> right. Fry is awful. He keeps calling the planet uninhabited because he doesn't mm -hmm. consider robots to be uh, living, I guess. Yeah, he's like, just like a warehouse is inhabited by boxes. <laughs> yes, that was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> very tough, very tough. And so they send Bender out with the box, and he's real pissed. And then shortly thereafter, I guess during, while he's gone, they decorate for Robonica. And they're like, this should show that stupid robot we care about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But then we get a message from Bender that he has been captured because they found out that he works with humans. And so they're like, oh, crap, we got to go save him. And they have these just truly incredible robot costumes that they're going to wear <laughs> for the rest of the episode. Yeah, like uh, Tin Man from the the Wizard of Oz kind of costumes. Yes, like both in boxes, like they have calendars on their heads or something. Yeah, this is like jumping ahead to the later on the episode when Bender comes back. But and maybe I was just like very sleepy and tired while watching this episode. <laughs> so I, I, I missed this plot point. But like, how does Bender go from being captured to like leading the mob of anti-human, you know, the anti-human mob? So... So he says, they found out I work with humans, so they captured me. And then when they do meet up with him again, he says, oh, I told them that I had killed 100 million humans. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> or maybe okay, 100 so billion just... humions. I don't know. Million, billion. I don't know. It's a lot of a lot of humans. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he's just yeah. uh, the most anti-human robot on the planet. So they, they exactly. let him go. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so I also had written down these points from Leela where she's like, so we're going to have to walk like robots, talk like robots, and if necessary, solve <laughs> complex differential equations like robots. Yeah. And then that's when Fry's like, I can sort of dance like a robot. <laughs> and Leela is way better at it than him. Yeah. Uh, we skipped over the, the I wrote down there was a uh, dumb modern Simpsons joke of like, we need two or three minutes to think about this as they mm -hmm. cut to commercial, which uh, I put in the class of subtitles and that's looking funny. at the camera and fourth wall breaking stuff. That's funny. I did not clock that that would have been a commercial break yes <laughs> <laughs> i took it to be where she's like what does she say she says well, i guess i didn't write it down but she's like oh my god this is such a huge decision if only i had two or three minutes to think about it i took it as just like i only need a couple minutes to decide oh god <laughs> but that's i think that's a very good meta call <laughs> yes yeah i think it's a because she like almost looks directly at the camera while she's doing it uh, while she's saying that line yeah. and the simpsons does so many of those jokes of like we're cutting to commercial right but... that's funny i never collect that <laughs> yes so they go down and they're trying to get in the gates and the guards stop them and this has always been a favorite <laughs> moment of mine <laughs> they're like the robot test is basically which of the following things would you want a a puppy a b a flower from your sweetie or c a large properly formatted data file <laughs> so funny uh the it turns out that the data file of course is the correct answer but the flower would have also been acceptable 
I love that so yeah. much. <laughs> it's like even robots want pretty flowers from their sweetie. <laughs> yeah. What Fry asks yeah. if there are like any robotic parts in the puppy at all. And they say, mm-hmm. nope. <laughs> no, it is the bad kind of puppy. <laughs> yeah. So they get in and then we, there's just like a little throwaway gig where they have a construction worker guy building a Tetris wall. Someone drops a piece down and it all disappears. And he's like, ah, come on. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what he was going for, going for with that. Yeah, I really love I think this was like my favorite part of the episode where they're just kind of like walking around the robot city and there's just all these robot city gags like the Tetris building, Fry peeing in the alley, and the the robot cop saying that he's leaking coolant at an alarming rate and wants to patch him (laughs) up with some hot resin. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And when he goes away, it makes Leela sneeze and that's when they realize there are humans on the planet. Yes. Did you catch the uh, Got Milk billboard? No. They, there was a bill, billboard that says, Got Milk? Then you must be human and must be killed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> so Fry and Layla run into this movie theater called It Came From Earth, and it's just like a classic campy horror movie. <laughs> it's like, your chassis is a little scuffed. Mind if I polish it for you or something? <laughs> yeah, they're they're up at, at makeout point. Yes. Very similar to... What's the Simpsons episode where they, where they start at the movies and Lisa... Lisa gets scared. Right, yeah. And Bart's like, it's fine. You can look. It's over. And then that's when she screams. Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah. yes, very familiar. That might be Lurleen because they. that might be they like drive home from or they're like coming back uh, from the movies and then Homer drives off off to Lurleen's yeah, car. I can't remember. Yeah. Some, someone write in and tell us. <laughs> <laughs> so they are hiding in there. This is really incredible stuff where they're like, it's perfectly safe to let our guards down, even for a second. <laughs> like how they view humans. They're like, behold, my system of mighty organs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. And again, this yeah. is all in the movie. And uh, I, I like that the the human monster, so the human monster comes and attacks the, the two robots in the car. And I love that the costume mm-hmm. for the human, the human monster is like terrible in the way that those old monster movie co- costumes are terrible, mm-hmm. where it's like obviously fake and like obviously just a, a person. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. And so when they come out of the movie theater, this is when they see that they're going to have the daily human hunt and they see that Bender has become eviler and he's now leading the death to all humans crusade. Yes. Some some real whacking day energy of, of mm-hmm. the, the daily hunt. And it's, there's some good stuff here where Bender's like, your basic human is between three and 25 feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He says they're, uh, they're goo wrapped in a t-shirt. Yes. And I wanted to note, Alex did some quick math here where they're like, that makes 146,000 unsuccessful hunts in a row. And I was like, this is literally the 400th anniversary of the oh my God. hunt. You think they would have done something. And what then a day. I was like, so, and then I said, you'd think this would be a bigger deal. But then imagine they finally catch some humans on wow. the 400th anniversary. So. I would have, I, if I were there, I would have thought it was like staged where it's like, oh, like this is just yeah. the 400th day or 400th uh, mm-hmm. year anniversary. Um, yep. Yeah. But it was so funny to me that it just like worked out perfectly to 400. Yeah, (laughs) nice, nice, quick math. (laughs) Mm, Yes, indeed. (laughs) So they meet up with Bender inside this old warehouse that he had run into. And they had said like, oh, it's just nothing in there except some like old robot pornography. And he's like, hmm, it sounds like a breeding ground for humans. (laughs) Yeah, Bender's looking at the robot pornography, which was just like circuit diagrams, which I thought was really good. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, very funny. And so Brian and Leela get captured and they're sentenced, I guess, like instantly. They're like, these are, they're guilty of the crime of being human and they're going to have to do tedious robot labor until they become obsolete and are given to an inner city middle school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the the episode falls off a little bit. Like it kind of, uh, mm-hmm. like the introduction of the, both the like, 
actual trial and then they're sentenced and get sent to like the secret the secret judges like i think i think all of this was a little bit much and a little bit yeah a little bit silly but you know what are you gonna do yeah yeah he they get dropped down in front of the robot elders and even though they've already been sons they're like we're the real ones that do it that's all just kind of like a show trial or whatever and in fact now we're going to kill you and my favorite thing about them is that they begin everything with like silence yeah even when (laughs) the other one has been talking so like one of the elders is in the middle speaking he's like silence i concur (laughs) (laughs) kind of a similar energy to the to mom's sons in the next episode of like constantly bickering with each other Mm -hmm. yes exactly and this is where they reveal that they already know that humans aren't dangerous they just use them as a scapegoat because they have this terrible lug nut shortage and they want to distract (laughs) the populace Yes, the lug nut shortage is like kind of peppered in throughout the episode, but it pays off in a in a nice way at the end. Yes, agreed. So they bring in Bender to do the killing, like show us the killing skills that have made you a media darling. Yes, Bender needs to execute them using the cerem- ceremonial killamajig. Yes, <laughs> execute, control, shift, kill. <laughs> <laughs> But then Fry is like, stop, or we'll breathe fire on you. And they're like, oh, I can't remember if we just made that up or if they can actually do that. Yeah, confused by their own propaganda. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so they manage to get away. Everyone's following after them and they almost make it to the ship. But then the robots start like piling on top of each other. And I guess Bender helps them get away, which is the big thing. <laughs> we kind of skipped over his redemption moment. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he spares yeah. them. That's all I wrote down. I don't know how he spares them. I have no memory of it, but he's just like, yeah. <laughs> He thinks he's revealing to them. He's like, humans aren't actually dangerous. They're fine. And they're like, yeah, we know. We just made that up. And he's like, we're right. going to kill them anyway because we need to distract from our incompetent robot elderness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very grim. <laughs> yes, they they, very they grim need stuff. to, yeah, they need to, humans are the scapegoat to just have a public enemy. So, mm-hmm. so their totalitarian regime can continue. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And they're about to grab them when suddenly Bender's like, oh, I forgot to deliver the package and gives it to kind of the top guy in this pile, knocks them over. And then the entire populace is just showered with lug nuts. Lug like, nuts, hey, precious for lug humans. nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, good stuff. And then the, the episode ends with Bender seeing that they have decorated for Robonica and he's very touched and he's like, you know, I made this up to get out of work, right? And they're like, of course. And then they have a nice little dance sequence. (laughs) It's the best Robonica ever. (laughs) Yes. And Bender's very impressed with Leela's dance moves. And I got to say, so am I. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. Leela and Fry, I guess Fry seems incompetent, but they're, they're pretty successful so far. They're able to, to pull off all these missions. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't think we have any feedback this week. Let me have a look. No, we have no feedback. <laughs> no feedback. So uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I, is the punishment like uh, subjecting them to like more tangents or something, or is the punishment just <laughs> stopping the episode? They would probably uh, probably enjoy more tangents, yeah. but who knows? Do you have any final thoughts on the episode compared in comparison to the the other episodes that we've seen or, or overall thoughts? No, I think. I think this is a good one. I still think maybe I liked the Zapparanigan one a little better last week, but this is definitely a solid episode, and I think it's starting to really turn into what it is going to become, and I think we have a good stretch coming up of the next few episodes. Yeah, nice. Cool. Well, yeah, I haven't been doing anything on Twitter, but you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter to see my inactivity at Alex B. Kuntz, <laughs> K-U-N-T-Z, and then if you want to follow the show where we occasionally post that episodes have been dropped, you can follow <laughs> us at Pod of Tomorrow. And then, yeah, if you have feedback, podoftomorrow at gmail.com. Yes, so please follow us, send us tweets, thoughts, questions, comments, 
concerns, Quests. whatever you feel compelled to do. Yes, request. <laughs> Good stuff. Yes. So you can find me over on Bojack Horsebud. We are almost done our run of Bojack Horseman. We will be continuing on to other things very shortly, but right now we are rapidly closing in on the end of season six, and then we'll be thinking of something I'll, else to do, but to something else. go check it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So check it out and we will see you next week for season one, episode six, A Fish Full of Dollars. Cool. See y'all later.